Nothing compares. There is no comparison to this God that we serve. Nothing comes close. So when we lift our hands and we begin to tell him, God, nothing comes close to you. Are you saying it from the depths of your spirit? Or are you saying it because that's the words that are on the screen? Because I, I really believe God is calling us to a place of worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And in truth, is that the cry of your heart when you come into his presence? God, nothing, nothing compares to you. I just want you to take this moment, this last chorus that we just sang, that last bridge, and I want you to just plant it in your heart for a minute. And we're going to revisit it at the end of the service. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We're going to get into the word this morning. Jesus. I've had that on a loop in my office. <laughs> I just can't escape it. A loop in my car. Um, just because I am so overwhelmed by his goodness. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by him. He's not a small God. And he's not a small part of my life. I just, he overwhelms me. If I dwell too much on the goodness of God, I can so get lost. Can you do that? Does your testimony begin to stir up on the inside of you and you think of the things that God has done and poured into your life and, and you are just taken into his presence? I believe that's what he has for us today. I believe he has a draw. I believe he has something deeper for us and, uh, or, or just further. Because to me, deeper is just faithfulness. You know, you hear people pray and say, Lord, take me deeper, take me deeper. And really what I believe the Lord hears is teaching me to be faithful in the things that you called me to do. And then I'll go deeper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to read a passage of scripture and we're going to press in. Now that you're all comfy and cozy, would you stand with me and let's read the word. Oh my goodness, that's small. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place is in Jerusalem. <laughs> Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come, worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And I think there's one more. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. One more. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Ah, oh, 
Can you even imagine? Father, I thank you so much for your word, for your words, Father God. Everything you speak, the life that is in every word that you release to us. Now, Father, I ask that you cover this house. I ask, Father, that you speak to us today, God. Every single person, Father, you have a translation for them today. I thank you, Father, that you're going to speak to us, you're going to teach us, you're going to lead us, and you're going to draw us. And we're going to listen to you, Father. Pray that all of my stuff be forgotten and fall away and everything that is of you stand and produce fruit consistent with righteousness and the body of Christ said, amen. amen. <laughs> you know, we, we do that and it kind of feels like a habit, but what we really want to do is just seal that in your heart because when you say the words amen, it means so let it be. So let it be. So we're going to uh, press into that today. Today is Palm Sunday, and I don't know if you brought your palm branches. Whipple them out here. Um, but it, it got me in this mindset and in this uh, mode of thinking about worship. You know, Palm Sunday, you think about worship, and you think about what Jesus was getting ready to head into. And I don't know where worship is with you, I mean, where you stand on this uh, area of worship, but it is such an intimate thing for me. It is such a personal thing for me. I love to worship with you guys. I love to praise with you guys, but I love to worship sometimes in the privacy of my office, in the privacy of my car, and, and just my time with him. And it, it, it is a different thing in my life, and, and I have really struggled with how to explain to people um, how I feel about worship and different levels of this. And, and so the Lord being who he is and, and teaching me in a visual way, because I learn best with pictures, he gave me a dream some time ago. And I just, if you will allow me to, I just want to share that with you today and take you on a little journey with me as the Lord began to redefine worship in my personal life. And the reason I want to share it with you is because I believe the Lord is going to redefine worship for us when we come together in this place. I believe the Lord is going to begin to do some things, taking us into a new season and a different time. And, and I feel like it's important to lay the groundwork that might allow us to shift just a, a little bit in our our spirit. In my dream, I was standing on the side of a road going into Jerusalem. Now, I've never been to Jerusalem. Some of you guys have, but I have read about it. <laughs> no, I can't operate, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels, but we were I was standing on the side of this dusty road in Jerusalem. It was leading into Jerusalem, and, and I, I knew that, and there was a crowd, and there was a crowd on both sides of the street, and, and just normal everyday people, and we're on both sides of the street, and, and if you looked down, the crowd stretched away, and I could hear this sound starting, it's, it's kind of like this rumble that starts far away, like a wave that starts at a football game when we used to have those. And, uh, this, and I could hear the rumble coming, and, and it was starting to get closer and closer, and there was this anticipation in the people as they began to, to stand on their tiptoes to try and see what it was that was coming. They just knew, see, a lot of people had gathered because that's what everybody else was doing. A lot of people had come to the side of the road because there was a noise and there was something happening, and they didn't want to miss anything. But some knew 
Some knew what was getting ready to take place. And, and as they watched and this wave begin to roll, I begin to hear this, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and I could hear it and I was getting stirred in my spirit as I heard it coming. And, and it be, just began to roll toward us and and. The people began to engage. The more they heard, the more they leaned into this song and into these words. And, and I've always imagined palm branches being waved in the air, but they were throwing them in front of Jesus. They were throwing them on the ground in front of the donkey that he was riding coming up through the town. And there were people behind him and there were people in front of him and there were people to the sides and, and they were casting these down and you know, I didn't know that palm branches in the Roman Empire, that, that signified victory and triumph. I didn't know that when they were casting this, these before him, they were declaring his victory. And as they took their coats off, they began to throw them, throw their cloaks in front of him, throw them in front. Can you imagine, you know, a donkey and an animal coming towards you and your first instinct is take off your clothes and throw them in front of the donkey. <sighs> that says a lot about his followers. I'll just put that out there. But they did. They begin to throw them and, and there's only two other times that I can find in the word when this happens and, and one was when Jehu was be, uh, being declared as king and, and everyone, the dignitaries all began to throw their cloaks and their robes at his feet signifying their obedience, their submission to him. And the other time, unfortunately, was Saul, right before the stoning of Stephen. They took their robes and they threw it at his feet in celebration of, of, of what he had brought about, a bad thing, submitting to a false authority. Do you understand that you can submit to good or you can submit to bad? And sometimes it's unclear <laughs> when you're walking which one you're doing. But in my dream, they were casting it down. You know, Hosanna, I always thought that meant, God, you are so cool. You are holy. You are amazing. But the word Hosanna means save us, redeem us. Thank you, God. Salvation. It's crying out as this one that was going to come in and take the victory. It was as if they were going, when you win, remember us. You're going to win. Remember us. And, and so they're shouting and they're, they're all stirred up and the hosannas are crying out and the clothes are going. And, and I heard this voice. She was saying the same thing as everybody else. She was saying hosanna and she was crying out hosanna, but it was completely different. When she cried out to him, when she cried out, Hosanna, it pierced through everything. It was as if every other voice just faded, as if every other thing just began to fall away. And I could hear her, and it was rich, and it was resonant, and it was sweet, and it was piercing, and it was powerful. She was singing the exact same words as everyone else, but her worship was different. When I found her, she was singing Hosanna and her tears were falling. And as her tears fell and struck the ground, it was as if I could feel every single one of them. 
because the tears that she was shedding, they meant something. She wasn't just crying out Hosanna because everybody else in the place was doing it. She wasn't doing it because the worship leader said, can you raise your hands? She was crying out from somewhere else. She was reaching out to Christ through something else. And so, you know, like in these movies where everything's going on and then all of a sudden you get this tunnel vision, this vortex that takes you straight in to something that you didn't even see going on everywhere else. Well, that's what happened in my dream. And in my dream, I went from looking at all the people and all of the crowds and, and, and I saw straight into this woman's heart. I could see everything in there. I could see all of it. And I could, as, as, as the Lord began to just peel back the layers, I could see her story. And her story was the story of a woman who had been caught in adultery. Her story was being dragged out into the middle of the street. Her story was one of shame and degradation. Her story was one of being broken and waiting to die for what she had done. She was devastated. She was so um, just ashamed. And I saw it. I saw it all right there within her spirit. And then there were these eyes. I saw I saw her looking up at, at the men or, or the people who were judging her. And I, I saw her looking into their eyes. And I could see the accusation. And I could see the, the disgust and the judgment where they had weighed her in their scales and found her wanting. And, and all of the vile things that, that they were saying, they weren't anything new to her because she had already said all of that to herself. All they were doing was confirming what the enemy had tried to tell her her whole life. You're worthless. You will never be anything. You are less than. And so as she looked in those eyes, that was the word that she received. But then I saw her catch his eyes. I saw her catch his eyes. And when she caught the eyes of Christ, when Jesus looked at her, he didn't see all the stuff. When he looked at her, he didn't see the adultery. He didn't see the failure. He didn't see the false. When he looked at her, he saw her. He saw everything that she could be. He saw everything that she was created to be. Not the things that she had done, but she, he saw the destiny. That thing that he had placed her on the planet for that the enemy had to tried to destroy her whole life. And then I watched in this dream as she braced. She braced for the stones. She braced for the judgment to come. And the judges, judges asked Christ what he would do. What would you have us do with her? This is what the law says. 
we should do. And then, you know, there's so much about, well, what did Jesus write on the ground when, what did Jesus write on the ground at this time when he bent down? Scripture says he stooped down. It's not important what he wrote. It's important that he stooped down. It's important that he bowed. It's important that he came down to a place, you know, I was thinking about this the other night, and I was thinking, you know, how like Jesus, you know, if if God was the one to uh, write the Ten Commandments on the stones, on the top of the mountain, the Word says he wrote it with his finger. (laughs) The finger of God wrote it the first time. Wouldn't it be just like Jesus to, to, to lean down and write the Word fulfilled. Wouldn't it be just like him to lean down and write the word grace? Whatever. It doesn't matter at this point in time. We'll know one day, but what matters is that in the middle of a judging culture, in the middle of somebody who wanted to hold everyone to their standard, Jesus stooped down and he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And, and in my dream, she was still waiting because, you know, sometimes when people are judging you and when they're passing all of this judgment on you, you just assume that everything must be perfect in their lives in order for them to stand in judgment on yours. And so in, in my dream, she was just waiting and she was bracing for the stones. But instead of feeling the stones, she heard them begin to drop. And the word says that Jesus stooped again. He said, woman, in my dream, she couldn't look up at him. In my dream, she was just covered. And and he said, woman, and she didn't lift her head. And he leaned and he lifted her head. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? And in my dream, her eyes darted everywhere, looking everywhere because she couldn't believe that they would actually go and leave her and that they wouldn't continue this judgment. And, and, and I believe when the word says, she says, I have none. I have none. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And sin no more. One translation says, get up and do better. Get up and do better. And I believe in that moment, I believe in that moment, that was when truth and spirit met in the heart of this woman. And I believe that what was born on the inside of her was Tehillah worship. It's a worship that knows It's a worship. You know, this scripture says that, you know, the Jews, they worship what they know, and the Samaritans worship what they do not know. You know what? Sometimes we are worshiping something we don't know, and so it begins to sound a little shallow. It rings a little hollow because we're worshiping because everyone else is. But there's a different sound when you worship what you know. And I believe when that revelation came in her, that deliverance that God had brought into her life, Tehillah worship is a song that only you can sing. Kevin, only you can sing it. It might be the exact same words as the person sitting next to you, but only you can sing it. It's a song that only you can offer to God. And it's born from a place of truth. 
It's born from a place of truth. It's born from your testimony. It's what you know about God. You know what? Praise is all about your level of passion. Praise is about your level of passion for God and your involvement in the things of God. But worship, worship speaks to your level of personal revelation about who God is in your life. Let me say that again. Praise speaks to your level of passion for Christ. Worship speaks to your level of revelation about who he is in your life. And sometimes we praise all day long. The people on the side of the road, they were praising. They had a worship experience. They had something going on. Her voice was different because of her experience and her revelation of God. And I wonder sometimes when we enter into to worship him, are we bringing that revelation with us? Are we, are we worshiping him or are we just a part of the crowd on the side of the road? See, I believe that there are churches, huge churches, all across the land, all across this place, with the most talented and skilled, gifted and, and talented worshiper, with uh, singers and musicians, and the band is amazing, and it will pack a house. They have amazing songs. They have an amazing experience when you come in. But let me tell you something. Did you know that Tehillah worship, Tehillah worship, that's when the scripture says that he will inhabit the praises of his people, the word there is Tehillah. And his commitment is to enter in and inhabit when we begin to worship in spirit and truth. Now, that's a whole different ballgame, don't you think? Because you can pack a house and you can sing every song that Maverick City has ever written and still not have the inhabiting presence of God. Because you got to sing your story. See, your story with God, that's what's written in your spirit. And your worship tells that story. It's a revelation of what God has done in your life. And I get so convicted because sometimes I know that I'm just singing the words and that they are in no way connected to the spirit on the inside of me. But man, when my spirit engages with what God is doing, everything shifts. You can fill a house with praise and there still be no miracles. There's no healing there's no signs and wonders. There's no fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> you can sell a million albums and still not have the inhabiting presence of God. So this is my heart for this house. My heart, guys, if you want to come out, I think we got a praise team. Guys, let me tell you something. My heart for this house is for there to be a different tone, a different sound. I believe if we can connect to the story that God has given us, I think one of the closest things I've ever seen to this was I was ministering at a church some time ago and I was sitting at the piano and, and I was just playing and I was, I was leading some worship and this woman, I could hear her at the back of the room and, and she just began to cry. She was, she was crying and it wasn't the pretty cry. 
It was the cry of something breaking. It was the cry of someone who couldn't find a voice. And, and, and I kept trying to play the piano and I kept trying to continue with the song that I was in the middle of. But you know what? God was changing something in that room. God was shifting that atmosphere. And she got about halfway down the aisle and she fell to her knees and she just started saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. And it was coming from this place in the depths of her. And when she did it, it was as if this wave had shifted all the way through this room and people began to cry out, God, you are faithful. God, you are holy. God, we worship you. I mean, the place came apart. The place came apart. And there was a minister standing over behind me and I kept playing and I said, what happened? What happened with her? She looked to be about 30 years old and there were two kids walking behind her. And I'm like, what happened with her? And they said, she lost her husband two days ago unexpectedly and you know what her weapon her way to get through was to tequila God and go God I worship you God I trust you because everything up to that point she could have so turned and said God why did you do this but she knew him well enough her history with him demanded that her story remain God you are faithful God, you are faithful. And I broke and I sat there and I cried as she wept before the Lord and worshiped. She wept and she worshiped and she wept and she worshiped. And God inhabited the praises of his people. God filled that space. He filled that space with his comfort. He filled that space with his presence. And that's what I see, guys, coming here. Because God's done some stuff in your life. God has done some miracles. Some of you have come through operations you shouldn't have come through. Some of you have survived relationships that you shouldn't have survived. Some of you have come through a diagnosis that everybody thought was hopeless. Ah, but God, you got a story You survived some things that the enemy tried to take you out. Just like that woman in my dream. She had gone. You think people who are are caught in those places and struggle like that, you think they're not broken? You think they're not wounded? But yet we stand and we judge their shame. Instead of going, I know a God. I know a God. Guys, my challenge to you is when you come into this place and somebody strikes up a song, don't sing because it's on the banners. Don't sing because they say you must. Sing from your story. Sing from your testimony. Begin to bring a Tehillah worship and watch God inhabit. Watch God inhabit. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that. Ah, Jesus. So now, knowing that, we are going to sing this again, such an awesome God, if you will stand with me. And I want you to grab hold of that testimony, that story that's yours alone.
that, that breakthrough, that, that pressing in thing that only God has done in your life, something that nobody else even knows about. And this time when you sing, you're such an awesome God, I want you to Tehila God. I want you to sing him your song, your story, your testimony, and watch what God does. Amen. Jesus.